You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. This is part of our stretch theme that Riverside is doing this year, talking about stretching in all kinds of ways, spiritually and stretching toward God and stretching in our faith and growing. And uh, this is talking about this this theme that we're embracing here, this hands-on healing touch of Jesus is about stretching toward Jesus for healing and looking at some of those instances in Scripture where people stretched out their hand toward Jesus or Jesus stretched out his hand toward them or both and healing. Something miraculous occurred in some way. And so that's what we're talking about. Uh, this, whole, this whole month, this whole series is all about that. And uh, so how many of you guys noticed when you walked in, did you even notice this over here? How many of you guys made a note of that as soon as you walked in the room? Now, I wonder if, if you made special note of it because of the time of year that it is. How many of you guys have some kind of affinity for this, what this represents here? Like, this is, is this, does this stir something up in you? Um, I wasn't trying to torture you. I, I might be torturing myself by, by bringing this up here. Um, but it connects uh, to this morning because, um, well, here, let me, uh, let me show you how I like to be by a pool. I'm going to sit by a pool. How many of you guys like to sit by a pool sometimes? It's nice. Yeah, it's kind of therapeutic, just to, even if you're not in it, just to sit by water, right? So um, this is my preferred way of sitting by a pool. Uh, yeah, it's kind of nice, right? And usually I have a book, you know, a pair of sunglasses on, and you just kind of, the time just disappears, you know? Um, <laughs> should have brought my sunglasses in. I didn't know there was going to be a photographer here this morning. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is, how, this is how I like to sit by the pool. Uh, how many of you guys read a book while you're sitting by the pool? Anyone like to do that? Uh, or the ocean, you know, whatever, but sitting by the pool. Got to have some protection from the shade, and you got to move the chair around. You guys know the little game you play of moving the chair around so that it's always in the shade? How many of you guys like burn yourselves up in the sun? You're the sun people. I honestly don't get that. I don't know how you literally sit in the sun for hours. Just crazy. I like to have a little bit of shade, see the sun, have a book, you know, got my iPad, sunglasses, maybe an iced coffee, maybe an iced tea, Jones cream soda, cold. Um, yeah, it's just, <sighs> why do we live here? <laughs> Pittsburgh's great, but it ain't been great lately, I'll tell you that. Um, so we have this place we like to go uh, called Siesta Key, Florida. I talk about it all the time. I could probably sell Siesta Key. If there was some kind of job to sell property there or condos there, I could probably, probably do that. And uh, that's where I like to sit by the pool in Siesta Key. And uh, this last time that we went, you guys, you know, you get in your vacation mode and there's nothing that's going to pull you out of it. You guys know what I'm talking about? And uh, I was uh, at Siesta Key and uh, we were leaving our condo. And my son David, God bless him, um, had his, you know, we we're all bringing our stuff out. And he's getting old enough, you know, he's seventh grader. So it's like, you know, let him take care of his own stuff, you know. And so he's gathering his few things to run to the pool, and I'm, we're gathering our stuff up. And I, I see, I had the little dad radar going on, where you're kind of watching where items are going, and, you know, you're kind of just paying attention. And I almost said something, but I figured I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to let this, let him be responsible for his own stuff. And, uh, you know, he, uh, I saw him, just real quick movement, I saw him take his phone and just put it in the back pocket of his, of his swimming trunks. And uh, I thought, okay, he's going to get to the pool. Like, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be that today. You know, like, wah, 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 wah. you know how we are, you know, kids, <laughs> you know how we are, parents. And, uh, but it was there, right here. It was in my head. But it wasn't in my head good enough. 
because once I got to the pool, I was like, forget about that, dude. I'm like here, you know, I'm, I'm focused on my little world in this chair, you know, and uh, so we get to the pool and, and we're down there for a few minutes and, you know, I'm, I'm from here maybe to the edge of the stage away from the pool and I got in the zone pretty quickly where I was in that chair, wasn't getting up for a while, had my, I was there and um, all of a sudden we'd been in, he'd been swimming for a few minutes and uh, we were sitting at the deep ends, it's like nine feet deep. And uh, all of a sudden, panic. Ah, dad, dad, get, get, jump in and can you get, get my phone? Jump in the pool, get down to the bottom of the pool. And I'm sitting there just like this. I was like, there's no hurry. What, why am I hurrying to get in the pool? To get your phone. My phone is at the bottom of the pool. I see it down there. I was like, it's gone. There is no rushing, no hurrying. It's like, we can leave it there all day. Like, it's not going to change anything. The moment that phone hit the water, it was gone. And uh, I'm comfortable. So, you know, and uh, kids, you know, kids, parents, we, we can be unpredictable. He's used to me like, why'd you do that? Freaking out on him, you know? And I was like, no way. Not today. It ain't my phone. I got my video games and my iPad and my phone. My vacation ain't messed up at all. And uh, so some other guy <laughs> who, who was in the pool like dove down and got the phone for him. And uh, it was hopeless, right? And so, you know, Shelly's like, you know, maybe we should try, try. I said, look, you can do whatever you want. The phone's gone. It's hopeless. There is no resurrecting this phone. Like it is dead forever. You know, it's rice, whatever you want to try. Like it's gone, right? Well, you know, we've got the bowl of rice and threw it in the corner, whatever. And I'm thinking the whole time, like, hopeless. There wasn't a smidge. Dave was like, please plug, just plug it. It's dead. There, I'm sure that this is dead. This phone is never coming back. It's a hopeless situation. And uh, so it actually connects pretty well to the message this morning and the, the theme that we're looking at. Um, uh, the question that I want to deal with this morning that kind of touches on our healing theme and it touches on our stretch theme is who... Or what, what or who are you stretching toward, right? There was no way I was going to stretch toward that pool. There's no way I was going to reach into that hopeless. I wasn't even going to bother myself with dealing with a hopeless situation. I, I wasn't really interested in being a part. Just leave it there. It's a pool toy now. What, what or who are you stretching toward? What or who, and that's the question I want you to keep in your mind as we look at this scripture. John chapter 5, verse 1. So you can go there in the app, the RCC app. You can follow along in there where it says the Mills site. Uh, or you can open up your Bible, your electronic Bible, however you want to get um, the Bible out. But uh, John chapter 5, verse 1. This is a really fascinating and powerful story of a time when Jesus stretched out his hand to heal somebody. And de- Jesus did this constantly. Um, in all kinds of ways, he was always stretching out his hand to heal people, and some people, like I said, uh, stretched toward him. So John chapter 5, verse 1 says, sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. doesn't say which one. Now, there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate, and, you know, prevailing thought is that this was the place where they brought all the sheep in uh, to be sacrificed for all the ceremonies and rituals of the temple, um, and so probably not... A, a pleasant area, you know, animal smells don't generally uh, make the air feel nice. Um, so verse two, now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, and which is surrounded by five 
covered colonnades. And so it was kind of like, uh, I think they imagined it that it would look like a big rectangle with porches all the way around, and it was split in the middle. So you had two pools split in the middle and, and covered on all sides. So that's where you get these, these five porches. That's how they, they counted it. And so what would happen here is you'll see at this place, um, it says, uh, which is surrounded by five covered colonnades, verse three, here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and I want to stop there, because this is something that I, I admit, I, I gloss over this. When I was reading this, I really had to stop and think about this, because you're used to seeing Jesus just heal people. But if you think about the scenario of Jerusalem, you think about the scenario of the festival, you think about Jesus coming into the city, think about yourself going downtown. The last time you went downtown Pittsburgh, did you go to the dirtiest place with the grossest people when you went downtown? Maybe you did. Maybe you're serving in some kind of ministry or doing something like that. But you stop and think about this. If, if an a important person, a dignitary, an influencer, a rabbi, whatever, Jesus was you know, a pretty big deal. When he came into Jerusalem for this festival, there's no reason for him to go here. This was where the sick and the dirty and the broken and the forgotten and the ignored and the hopeless gathered to be healed. Um, they thought that there was healing power in this pool. They had no other hope of being healed, and so they would wait for the water to stir because they believed an angel was stirring that water, and, and so they would try to get to the water quick enough while it was being stirred to, to be healed. And uh, wow, I mean, really, like a hopeless. I mean, if you, put, you close your eyes and put yourself in a place like that, how hopeless is that? I mean, can you imagine in the hot weather, a bunch of diseased people crowded on these porches around a pool. That's not how I'd want to sit next to a pool. I showed you how I want to sit next to a pool. That's how we are used to sitting by pool. We don't sit by pools for the reason that these people were. We go to hospitals. We do, we, that's what we do, right? But this was a pretty gross place, to be honest. And this is not where an important person would have gone. Yet Jesus, when he goes to Jerusalem... And we kind of know, if you, if you read, and I encourage you to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and read about Jesus, you start learning that this is the kind of stuff that Jesus did. These are the kind of places that he went. These are the kinds of people that he wanted to be around. So, so Jesus, it just says, he, he just showed up there. So purposely, I just, I just think that's so powerful. And it's such a lesson for all of us, no matter who we are, whether we are the broken, the diseased, the hurting, whether we are the ones who feel like we're pretty well, we're pretty together, we're, God has touched us and we're doing well, there's a lesson for everybody in there. But it's clear here that Jesus seeks out the broken. He did not avoid this terrible place. I mean, the sounds, I mean, can you, I mean, there's been times in the house where everyone's sick. I remember one night, it was just terrible. Shelly, both the kids were sick. I'm in the house, it's late at night, and all you can hear, I mean, it's just terrible. Like bleh, coughing and moaning, it's so hot and just oh, it just feels great. You feel like you need to take a thing of bleach and just go around the whole house and like pour it down the walls. You know, it's just a sick house. It's just gah. You don't want to be in there. When you've been sick, you know how you want to get out of the house, get fresh air. You know, open the window. Just ugh. This was this place all the time, and Jesus shows up into this place. He seeks out the broken. He didn't avoid that place. What is broken? 
That's a good question to think about. I mean, these people were physically broken, but there's a lot of kinds of broken. And I think everybody in this place this morning can think of a lot of ways that we can be broken on every level, mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Jesus seeks out the broken. And if you are here this morning, whether you call yourself a believer in God, whether you call yourself saved or not saved or lost or questioning, whatever your label that you've given yourself is, If you're broken, if you're hurting in any way, you need to know that Jesus is looking for you. He's seeking you. He wants to be around you. There is no grossness or or badness or terribleness in your life that he's like, ooh, I I, I don't want to be around that person. Jesus wants to embrace you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to help you and heal you and touch you. He's looking for you. And another question is, what does it mean to be healed? What does it mean to be healed? And we'll, we'll work on that a, a little bit too. Hands-on, Jesus was. Very hands-on. He didn't delegate this stuff out to his disciples. They followed him around, and he was the one, with them standing behind him, that touched the sick, that touched the gross people, the lepers. I mean, he touched their skin. You know, he, he restored them. He was a very hands-on Example of what it means to do ministry. So the rest of that sentence, verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, no idea how he learned that. In 38 years, I think I read that he had been like this. 38 years. Sitting next to that pool in that terrible place for 38 years. Like that takes some, some effort in your mind to really drink that in and think about the life that that is. Of just, I mean, so pitiful sitting next to a pool for 38 years waiting for the water to be. I mean, come on, it's just terrible. So Jesus learns he's been in this condition for a long time. He asked him, Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And Jesus kind of, man, his angle is always different. All these, these healings, you know, he approaches it in different ways. But that's a fascinating question. Do you want to? He's really going into the internal parts of this guy. He's getting into his head and his heart. It's almost like, I don't know, maybe this is not totally right, but I almost imagine Jesus kind of, how are you feeling about this? You're here. How, how do you feel about this? What's going on here and here? You want to get well? How are you feeling about your, your situation? And it's also kind of a, a survey of, of how hopeless he is. Do you even want to get well anymore? Where are you at? And I like to call this the you gotta wanna principle. I've said this a million times, and uh, it's so important in so many areas of spirituality and life. You gotta wanna. Jesus offers so many things to so many of us, but we have to want it. We have to want to embrace him. We've got to wanna embrace his plan for our life. We've got to want to walk with him, follow him. We've got to want to step into the healing, the life, the ministry, the purpose. We've got to want to step into those things. And so Jesus is, is addressing his willingness. Are you will, do you want to participate in, in, in whatever I have for you? Because he didn't tell the dude what he was about to do. All he did was ask him a question. And it, really, that's all we get too is do you want to be a part of this? Do you want healing? Do you want whatever it is I have to offer? Do you want me? And he doesn't give it, rarely does Jesus ever give us a plan and say, do you buy into this plan? He offers himself and says, trust me, do you want what I have to offer? 
Do you want whatever form of healing? Do you want whatever form of wellness that I have to bring? That's what he asked the guy. Measuring his participation. Hands on, right in the guy's life, right in his mind. John 5, 7, not an unexpected reply. Sir, and I think the uh, New Living, if you have the New Living translation, this is NIV, the New Living, I think, leads with, I can't. I can't. He says in, in the NIV here, he says, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Discouraged, right? I mean, we've all been there to some degree where you have been beaten down by whatever it is you're beaten down by and you just don't think there's a chance. It's like the phone in the pool. Like, there's no way anyone within a 100 miles, Steve Jobs could have come back from the dead and said, dude, that phone, there's hope. I would have said, no, there's not. There's, there's no hope for this phone. It was an Apple phone. Sorry. Um, so there's, there, I was, there was hopelessness. There was no way I believed that that phone was ever going to be healed. And so I didn't move. There was no point for me even to get up from my chair because I had no hope that there was healing for that phone, whereas David was holding out a little bit of hope. You know, Please jump in and get the phone. Where are you at? And your brokenness, and maybe it's not your brokenness, where are you, and man, I can't tell you how this is a personal thing for me. And I could shed a lot of tears on this subject. It's so easy to give up. It's so easy, because I'm a pastor, I work at a church, it's easy to say, yeah, yeah, there's hope, but inside, you don't feel like there's hope. Inside, you're struggling, and there's something dead in there. And Jesus needs to to stir up that hope, the waters of hope. And sometimes it's for someone else, it's not for you. It's easy to give up on people in your life that you've spent 30, 40 years praying for them, working on them, addiction, broken relationships. Man, you name it, you know what I'm talking about. It's easy just to give up. I can't. Do you want this? Of course I want it. And You know, there's probably a little bit of ire there, a little bit of anger there. Like, what do you... What do you mean? Can't you see? Yes, I want to. Is there hope? Jesus wants to help you. He wants to help me overcome discouragement and doubt because those will keep us from the life he has for us. They'll keep us from being whole and healed. Discouragement and doubt are brokenness of their own kind. They're like a domino effect of so many different kinds of brokenness. And maybe it's spiritual hopelessness or I don't know what kind of brokenness, hopelessness, what, what, what kind of situation you're dealing with or what kind of person you have in your life or people, family members you have in your life where you're like, man, I don't think there's hope. Don't think there's hope, if I'm honest. And maybe it's a hard thing between you and God. You're struggling with them. So it's amazing. Jesus, Jesus in John 5 eight, he says, get up, pick up your mat and walk. Boom, just no, no, more, no more talk. Measures him, surveys him. Okay, how you feeling? What's going on? And then he just says, get up and walk. Puts him on the spot right there, right? And th- by the way, this guy is surrounded by all kinds of sick and broken people right now. They're all watching this happen. So get up your mat and walk. So, you know, the guy's on the spot. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. And the simple thought there is that, that we all need to hear is Jesus has the power to heal, Period. He has the power to heal. He didn't heal the dude next to him, but he healed this guy, but it's clear that he has the power. He can heal. He wants and is willing to heal in his way, in his time, for his purposes. That power is there. So there's hope that we have, we have to believe in that. So he invites this guy to step into the healing he has for him. Get up, pick up your mat, walk. You have to do this. 
You have to trust these words, even as they're coming out of my mouth, get up. And so the guy chooses, you know, what's it going to hurt? And so he jumps up. And there's that, there's that participation thing that is important there, that we've got we've to kind of get up and go with Jesus. We've, we've got to act on this power that, that he stirs up in us and that he gives to us and he uses to heal us. It's about his purposes, not ours. Because I tell you what, I've spent a lot of time thinking about all those other people on those five porches. There are stories where it says that Jesus went into a town and he healed everyone they brought to him. But he goes to these covered porches, he heals one. This is not a new problem. People say, well, why today does he... Right here, he doesn't heal. And I'm sure there were a lot of awesome people there that were sick and hurting. And, and maybe it could be argued, if you were and I were standing there, maybe we could argue that the person five mats down was worse or a better person <laughs> You know, with a better disposition, they were nicer and maybe had more family members or whatever we would argue. That once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and he walked. It's about Jesus' purposes, not ours. And we don't know all of his purposes. And this is clearly bigger than physical. And that's one thing we have to keep in mind with any kind of physical healing, any kind of healing that, that relates to our bodies whether it be psychological or mental or physical, it's bigger than physical. Jesus has always got some kind of massive thing in mind. He can see everything. We can't. And we have to trust his power. We have to trust his judgment. He didn't help. He, he didn't help everybody who was there. The day on which this took place, it says in the rest of that verse, was the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had, made, uh, who had been healed, it is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat, which is, you read that and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. It's, it's just crazy. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. Verse 12, so they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick it up and walk? Verse 13, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. So Jesus comes in, snipes this guy, but dude, get up, walk, and he just goes away, Right? which is also kind of wild. Like, Jesus is clearly up to something here. There is a plan here for him to sneak into this nasty place, heal this one dude, and then he disappears again. He does this several times. You read, read the, the Gospels. He has this way of, if he doesn't want people to find him or, like, mess with him, he just disappears, right? Um, some people are real good at that, right? <laughs> I'm going to go do this thing, and then it's like, where are they? They're gone. So Jesus, like, hides out. He, like, sneaks away. So he was ninja. Jesus was ninja. You know, hashtag that. As a quote from me on Twitter, Jesus was ninja. Uh, was it hands-on RCC series, the, the hashtag for the series? Uh, what is it? Do you put that hashtag up, Sarah? Do you guys see the hashtag for our series? Hands-on series, RCC? You see it there? We're going we're gonna to start doing this. We want you guys to spread love. You know, Instagram, Twitter, you know, wherever you want to put it in your social media. Uh, share stuff that's going on in your life and whatever that has to do with our series. Uh, we're going to hashtag. And then we can read what other people are saying, too, if you're into the social media, Twitter, Instagram thing. Um, so Jesus is ninja. He, he, he gets out of there. Um, and so the thought there is that the Sabbath thing, he messes up the Pharisees and the religious people. Jesus does not always heal how and when we want him to. No one would dis disagree with that, clearly. He does what he wants. And he was picking a fight over the Sabbath. Clearly, he had, he, there, was an, there was a thing he wanted to do there. He was messing with the Pharisees a little bit. But there's this whole set of complex things that Jesus is working on that, that we just don't totally understand. 
And, it, and, and it's interesting that Jesus' healing of this guy like doesn't fit into the religious paradigm, doesn't fit into the religious system of the day. Isn't that crazy? About the Sabbath, and you think, well, yeah, well, that, was that a Sabbath rule? That wasn't a Sabbath rule. You know, there was the Sabbath, keep it holy, and then the religious people came along over all the years and they had all these big dusty books piled up to explain that, and all their big dusty books got it wrong. So Jesus came and said, that's all wrong. That's not what the Sabbath's about. What a powerful way to let them know that. But it's scary that what Jesus wanted to do and how he did it didn't fit in with the religious people, the church people, the people who had been doing religion and doing the God stuff for their whole lives had memorized the scriptures. That should scare the snot out of us. You know, if you're new here and you're new to God, you're, you're kind of safe from that, right? You got a while to go before you get crusty spiritually. It's us who have been walking with Jesus for a long time. We can be so blinded by our perception of what religion and spirituality is that Jesus does something and we don't like it. Wow crazy and we can point a finger at the pharisees and say oh yeah those guys were stupid i would never say there's got to be some examples of us being tempted to fall into that didn't fit in so verse 14 um later jesus found him at the temple and said to him see you're well again so he finds this guy the the wording there jesus found him this isn't that he was just strolling and bumped into him jesus went looking for this guy so if jesus knows something or that he's still working on something he goes and finds this guy he finds him in the temple he said to him and this is such a crazy little phrase too i for some reason i think it's funny maybe i shouldn't think this is funny it's just so like Crazy. See you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. That just seems odd to me that he'd find this guy and be like, hey, just letting you know. Don't sin anymore. It's going to be worse. Boogity boogity. You know? Like, oh, you know? So that's not what he did. I'm sure Jesus never said boogity boogity. Maybe he did. I don't know. He was a ninja. Um, Stop sinning or something worse may heal. And what that's, you know, what I, what I think what he was getting at there is that spiritual healing is much more important than physical healing. And he was getting this guy's eyes and his heart focused on the important aspect of what he represented and what he was trying to do. A broken relationship with God is worse than a broken body any day. And another thing that's interesting, we talked about how Jesus doesn't always fit in, even though he has the power to heal, he doesn't always fit his ways into our ways, and we don't know why he heals some and why he doesn't heal others. We're never going to know that, never going to know that. We have to trust him, be led by his spirit to understand, gosh, is this Jesus doing this? Is this Jesus deciding not to do that? We've got to be tuned into the spirit and have him speak into us every day and, and be in his scriptures and to navigate and try to figure that out, but ultimately trust him. But ultimately, here's what's so awesome. Physical healing is definitely not always promised. Spiritual healing, guaranteed. Always promised. That is, that is awesome. Spiritual healing is, all, there is no guesswork with that. It is clear from scripture, it is clear from life that Jesus always, 100% of the time, is willing and ready to heal spiritually and bring people into a right relationship with God. So, Verse 15, the man went away. He told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. So maybe he was like upset about that whole like, you told me to stop sitting. 
Jesus healed me, you know? I don't know. Some people think that this guy was kind of a, a jerk or whatever. Like, I don't know what the dude was like. You know, jury's still out on that. I don't know what, why he went and ratted Jesus out there, but he did. Maybe he was like putting it on the Pharisees. Like, it's him. Go talk to him. He's better than you. I don't know what it was. Verse 16, so because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jewish leaders began to persecute him. In his defense, Jesus said to them, my father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. You need to know today, whether it be for you or whether it be for someone else, that Jesus is always working and that he is still at work in 2015 in this room today. When it comes to healing for you, when it comes to healing for the broken, when it comes to wanting to help you go to the covered porches of our city and our community and our world where the sick and the broken and hurting lie, he is there by the power of his spirit to take you, to guide you, to lead you, to empower you into those places to do the work that he wants you to do. He's still beckoning his followers to get out of this kind of situation and go to the smelly, dirty, broken situation, to go find the nasty, hopeless people, to believe that hopeless situations can be reversed, to go into hopeless situations with no guarantee of what will happen and rely on his Holy Spirit to help. He wants his church to get its hands dirty in the lives of people. He hung out with the broken. He wants his followers to do so as well. He offered healing and hope. He wants his followers to do so as well. He wants us to live the same way. And if you're here and you're broken and you're hurting and you're hopeless and you're discouraged and you're doubting and I've got some of that stuff in areas of my life, you need to believe and understand and know that Jesus is still at work. It's not because he can't that it's not happening. And if it's not because he can't, then it's because he's got something going on. He knows. But despite all of that, spiritual healing, today, right now. No question. All of us can have that. He wants to make us well. The thing today, stretch toward Jesus for healing. You can't stop doing that. Stretch toward Jesus for healing and stretch toward the broken as Jesus did. It's a twofold thing. And maybe you do them simultaneously because we're all broken. And so we're reaching for others in the power of God as we are broken and needing his inflow into our life. But maybe you're here and you need to reach toward Jesus for healing. You gave up and you stopped reaching, but maybe you just need to keep reaching for him. And maybe it's been 38 years or 40 years for whatever area of brokenness you have going on, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. I don't know what it is that you are dealing with, but maybe today you need to stretch toward him and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not giving up. I've been beaten down for a while. I want to be well. So the question is the same for you. Do you want to get well? The same question that Jesus had for that man. Do you want to get well? What are you stretching toward? Maybe you're sitting here. I asked you that question at the beginning. What are you stretching toward or who are you stretching toward? Maybe your answer was nothing. And I don't know what your reasons for that are. Maybe it's stretching toward something because you got tired of the God thing and so you're over here stretching toward whatever it is. Maybe as a follower of Jesus, you've not been stretching your hand toward the broken and the, the ones who need him. And it's time to, to change that and to start doing that. Stretch toward Jesus for healing and stretch toward the broken as Jesus did. His hand's out to you today. Do you want to get well? Do you believe that he can change the situation? Do you really believe that? Maybe that's your prayer today. God, help me to believe again. Help me to trust again. Help me to hope again. 
If you're here today and you're a follower of Jesus, I've been harassing the students every week. I say this to them every week, and I told them I was going to do it. Who are you helping find Jesus? Who are you helping find Jesus? Who are you inviting to sit in this room with you on Sunday mornings? Who are you praying for? Who are you praying about? God, help me figure out how to. Is there someone? If there's no name on your mind, get with God and come up with a name. Come up with a person. Do you want to get well? How long will you sit by the pool and not stretch toward Jesus or toward the ones he wants to heal? If you guys would bow your heads just for a minute. We've got a few minutes that we're going to do. We're going to do a couple things here this morning. While your, while your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, I want you to think about what your prayer to Jesus needs to be. What is your next step this morning in response to what you have heard? What is your next step as you sit here today? We're doing something a little different today. And so you will have time to respond. We're going to do worship for the next few minutes. And during the worship time, you will have a response that you can come forward, you can hit these carpets down here, and you can talk to Jesus. Man, I, I plead with you to do this. In some area of your life, whatever it is, do you need to get up out of your chair during this worship and, and find somewhere in this room to get on your knees and say, God, heal me. I am broken. I need you. Our prayer partners will be down here, but I'm saying, even if you just want to come hit the carpet and you cry out to Jesus and say, God, heal me. Here's the area of brokenness that I bring to you. I am discouraged. I am angry. I am confused. Whatever it is, you just bring it and you cough it up on the carpet and you get it out before Jesus and you say, God, heal me. I'm stretching for you. I trust you. I'm stretching for you. Maybe you're here and your stretch is, I do not follow Jesus. I am not a believer in God. But there's something stirring in me and I've been keeping myself back. I am gonna come to the front of this room this morning and I'm stretching toward him. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm not going to let my doubt, my discouragement, my confusion, I'm not letting it hold me back. I don't care what anyone thinks in this room. I came here to do something spiritual this morning, and I'm going to reach out to Jesus. Are you ready to reach back out to Jesus? Are you broken? Do you need healing? Are you willing to step out of that place of discouragement and hopelessness and reach for him once again? Maybe if your eyes are closed, you could just imagine in your mind Jesus standing at the front of this room with his hand out waiting for you to come take it. Maybe you're here this morning and your prayer is, God, forgive me because I've been sitting in the lounge chair next to the pool and I've not been stretching my hand out to those who need it. There are people who need it. I've been happy throwing a check in the offering once in a while and saying that I'm doing God's work that way. I've been ha- justifying away church attendance. I'm not, I'm not reaching. I'm not stretching. Stretching, difficult, uncomfortable, stretching toward anyone. God, forgive me. I, 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 can, I, I need to be better at this. You stretch toward my brokenness. I want to stretch toward those you love. Show me how to do it. Give me the strength and the courage and and the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. Maybe you're here this morning and you just need to pray for strength. Maybe it's in all of these areas. So here are your three choices this morning for the next two songs. You can stay at your seat and kind of pray and reflect and stay there and do it. You can stand. We're going to invite you to stand and, and worship and just chase after God and talk to him and express yourself to him. Thank him for the healing that he's offered you. 
Maybe you're here this morning and, and, and your third choice is to step out of your seat, come forward and fill this front and get on your knees and just talk to Jesus. Maybe it's to come forward, find a prayer partner. I'll leave the response to you. It's your turn. How will you respond to what you've heard this morning? Jesus, I pray as we worship and go into baptism that you would do your work in the hearts and minds of all of us. God, I know I need this. There are areas that need, your light needs to break down the, the brokenness and, and, the, and the hopelessness and the discouragement. God, I pray you would help me to do that. Help us all to stretch towards you and to stretch toward those who need you. In these next few minutes, I pray that our response would be genuine, sincere, real, and it would lead to lasting change. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.